How you going, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Rethink Movement. Tonight, we're recording from the same car because Adrian is nice enough to drive me around while I'm uh, injured. Um, so, obviously, I'm joined by Adrian. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. How you going? Hopefully, he gives me a five-star Uber rating. He didn't give me a bottle of water or a mentor, so I'm a bit, uh, a bit disappointed here. I have tissues. He does have tissues. All right, so tonight, tonight we're doing a Q&A with some questions that we have received from the socials. So basically, we'll systematically just go through these. Um, and yeah, if you've got more questions after tonight's episode, let us know. So, Adrian, let's kick it off with a bang. All right, so first question was... How do you put yourself in a calorie deficit that's the one all right that's the one um so it's an interesting one in terms of i guess as an ep or a, an exercise practitioner uh we i guess in terms of your calorie we don't calorie deficits or the nutrition side of things starting to get out of our lane in terms of the uh, the calorie side of things and the calorie counting, we can touch on that. Um, so, basically, calorie deficit is you are burning more than you need. So that's the most simple way of, of doing it, and you're hitting your, I guess, your required macro and micronutrients. Um, that's probably the best way to sum it sum it up. Um, what would you like to add to that, Mitch? Um. Yeah, I think kind of what Adrian said, we've got to be, you know, we, we don't want to make this podcast about nutrition or dietetics. Um, so I guess I would just say one really simple thing from an exercise standpoint. If you're eating a certain amount very consistently uh, and your weight is remaining the same, you're not putting on weight, then we can make a fair assumption that what you're eating and the current activity you're doing, you're sitting at around what we would call maintenance. If you increase the amount of activity you're doing, or if you slightly decrease the amount you're eating, and I mean ever so slightly, you are then by definition in a deficit. So for example, if you have four coffees a day and with each coffee you have two biscuits, having two biscuits with only every second coffee and going for an additional walk at the end of the day, you're going to lose some weight because you're in a deficit. Um, you know, Theoretically, it can take a little bit you know, we've got things like what we call the set point theory, which is, you know, our homeostatic balances are going to fight to keep us at the weight we're at because that's where we're comfortable. That's pretty much the, actually the definition of homeostasis is to keep us at equilibrium. Um, so that kind of touches on that. But without getting too much into nutrition, basically just don't overcomplicate it. That's it. Keep it simple. <clears throat> exactly. All right. Don't oversimplify, but yeah, keep it simple and you should see the, uh, the results happen. Second question, what do we got? Second question is, what is it like to be Mitch and I? Quite philosophical. Our, in terms of our jobs. So I'm an ex, a clinical exercise physiologist. I work in a clinic, if you guys didn't know. Um, so my job consists of, or my day-to-day consists of seeing a wide variety of, uh, of patients <clears throat> and clients, I guess. So I go from like the clinical 
sort of specific rehab sort of people to then like your general population sort of come back from injury and then they've just continued wanting to train so um yeah exercise physiology is a great great way to sort of expand your knowledge on a whole range of different topics and and um conditions or particularly my clinic anyway i guess finishing uni you can sort of i guess pigeon your hole in just being a just being uh, treating specific conditions so you might just want to become really good at musculoskeletal rehab or neurological rehab or cardiovascular rehab so i've been lucky enough to when i graduated to to be exposed to a range of things and it's you're learning something new every day so only downside to that is I can't become, I guess, an expert in all all conditions and all all types of rehab. But I have a fair idea of each of those each of those uh, different sort of uh, categories, I guess. So, but in the end, we're, we're treating people, so we don't need to overcomplicate it and become too entwined in the in the condition or what they're experienced but in terms of but more so how to deal with those people and how they're going to respond to to their treatment so that's I guess my sort of take or my day in a nutshell I'll see up to 10 to 15 people in a day different types of conditions different types of uh, I guess levels of, of function um so always always on your toes always thinking always problem solving um, there's always always something happening in that clinic that's for sure but particularly the the busy clinic so um, yeah it's really rewarding um, particularly when you get to the end stage rehab when you've seen this person get through their three six months 12 months rehab improvements in their conditions it's it's really good really good to see um plus i I work with like a whole range of different disabilities and conditions so that's that's even more more satisfying to see their their benefit the benefit exercise and um just increased activity levels has have on them and for them to reach uh i guess individual milestones each day and each week, each month, they come in. It's great, great to see, and that's the really rewarding part of the job. And that's what keeps me going. I keeps it keeps me driving, driving to continue. I guess improving and being a better person, being a better practitioner. So that's the that's the rewarding. That's a really great part about about being or being myself. I guess being an EP. Mm-hmm. Plus, I get to work with Mitch, so that's pretty cool as a researcher, as his assistant. And that's all. So after my my full time work, I've been helping out a bit with Mitch and on a couple of different projects. So that's also part of my my job role um, as an EP. Over to you, Mitch. Sure. <coughs> yeah. So you know, I, I get asked a lot by people. You know, just when I meet someone new, what do I do? And I have no idea what to say because I do multiple things in any one day so you know just to kind of give you an example of what one day might look like for me um, Wednesdays are typically one of my more hectic days um, or actually pretty much every day but I'll except, start at except for today. yeah well except for this week 
because of uh, can't actually walk. But anyway, um, so I'll start PT anywhere between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. Out of performance PT, see anywhere from two to three uh, face-to-face clients. From there, I'll jet across to the university um, and generally start running some sessions in the gym for my study. Um, and then, you know, come afternoon, I'll usually give myself an hour or two reprieve. Uh, you know, I might get a little bit of kind of admin type work done. Uh, I might, you know, catch up on some emails, whatever, and see a few more clients in the evening, um, either for my study or for PT. Um, the research side of it, I do really enjoy it from the side of actually running the study and being on the floor with the people. I'm not the biggest fan of, of desk work. Um, you know, I the first year of my PhD was was quite heavily sitting behind a desk, kind of really getting everything done, getting everything up and running and set up for the next two years to really hit the ground running. Um, and coming from someone who had worked in a gym for five years prior, it was a very, very, very hard switch to make and I really struggled. I, I almost quit several times. I almost didn't make it to my second year because I just, I couldn't do it. And once my second year come and I was back on the gym floor, working with people, coaching, helping people get better, you know, that's 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 where it is for me. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, what Adrian and I are kind of really saying here isn't too dissimilar. We both work with people. We both love that we get to work with people. Um, you know, both of us were PTs together. Um, and, you know, one of the best parts of our job back then, or speaking for me anyway, was I got to work with Adrian. We talked in the last podcast about, you know, what that relationship fostered for our, our development. Yeah, I got to work myself too. It was really good. Yeah, he's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need little cue laughter signs that come up across everyone's phone when we say dumb shit. <laughs> no, but like, so we got to work, work together there. And now, you know, being in a position to work together again, both at, at Belmore every Thursday and then, you know, to have him come on board as, you know, in my study and now to be, you know, running the rethink stuff together and, you know, I, I have no idea what the future holds. I have no goals where I want to be, but something gives me a feeling that I'm probably going to end up, you know, working with Adrian for a lot more years ahead. So that's what excites me about the, uh, the future in my career. Anyway, not to get too soppy, on to the next what's one. Your, what's your drive in your career? What's your drive in your uh, being, a, being what you are? Me? Yes. What's my drive? Yes. Oh, man. What drives you? Um, I want to... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have no, I have no personal ambition. I have no interest in being Dr. Mitch. Uh, I have no interest in, in any of that, any of the personal accolades. I don't want to be the best prolific researcher. I, I don't give a shit. I just want to help people, purely yeah. and simply. Uh, I want to help people through, you know, um, helping the person in front of me. And I want to help people through educating practitioners to, to help their own patients better. Uh, one of the modes of doing that is, is through teaching. Teaching at the university is by far the favorite thing I do. When I get to teach, I love it. And to anyone who listens to this who I've, I've taught, they'll know that as soon as that class starts and I start teaching, I'm just absolutely in my element. I have, I have so much fun. You know, I'm injured now. Last time I was injured, when I, I did my finger, I looked down and saw the bone. I had a class at 8 a.m. the next day. 
and I was just really sad that I was going to miss work because I love it. Whereas, you know, any other job, I'd be like, man, sick, day off work, you know, day off school. I was really sad. I had to miss that day and then I had surgery the next afternoon. So it was a Wednesday, Thursday. And then I taught the class at 8 a.m. on the Friday morning. Probably not one of my smartest moments, but that's just honestly how much I love it. Nothing can keep me away from teaching. Um, so yeah, my drive is to help. But you, what's your drive? Yeah, well, same thing. That's my passion. To help people. Mm. I guess live, be able to live their, their best life. So if they do have... Hashtag living they, my best life. That's right. If they do have issues with their health or I'm in the, in the sort of position where I can actually help improve that and allow them to sort of, I guess, get through the minimum requirements they need through the day and make that easier for them and then hopefully build on that and get them doing things that they never thought they could do and have done. So that, that's that's the really... And like I said, that's the rewarding part of my job is when you can see that, that progress... That change, so I guess yeah, it's very similar. And I guess in this industry, that has to be your for you to, I guess, enjoy your job. That has to be your passion is is helping helping people. And if it isn't, you can piss right off. Uh, I guess so. if your passion isn't helping people, and you're in healthcare, yeah, get out of healthcare. If you come into healthcare to make money. Uh, I don't give a shit if you went through uni to be a physio or whatever because people said physio is a good job and you make a lot of money. Get the hell out of the industry. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so true. Yeah. So true. All right, next uh, one. What do we got? Uh, one a lot of people have made money off. <clears throat> what is the core and stability? What is the core and what is stability? This is to our one listener, Patty. <laughs> What's going on, Patty? Um, all right, what is the core? Fuck knows. Um, oh man, now I've got to put an explicit warning on this. Dang it! I went, I went eight episodes without dropping the f bomb. Ah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm passionate. What is the core, Adrian? Do you, can you shed any light, or do you want me to take this one, or, or what do you want to do here? Well, I guess what most right. people perceive the core as. Yeah, colloquially, what what do people right. refer to when they say the core? So, do people refer to the core as our I guess abdominal trunk muscles made up of your, your rectus abdominis your obliques your transverse abdominis that really important muscle that everyone talks about um, what have I missed um, I guess your QL yeah your lats your QL your, your multifidus so they, they basically the, all the muscles in our trunk everyone refers to as our core and that we need to make these muscles really strong because they're going to help reduce our risk of injury. They're going to reduce our our pain that we're feeling, be it in your hip, be it in your back, be it in your shoulder. If this core is strong, you shouldn't have these issues. Mm. That's basically what what the perception is out there at this point in time, or has been. It's slowly starting to get broken down, but it's sort of like the go-to guess go-to word in terms of uh, when uh, when people are talking about injury particularly lower back injuries Hmm. so that's the perception Um, yeah alright Mitch can take from here so I feel like we're going to get a rant here 
I'm going to try my best not to go on a bit of a rant and a tangent. So let's deal with the core first and then we'll deal with stability. <laughs> so the problem with the core is we're feeding into a multiple decade long, um, to use a word that gets thrown around a lot, narrative um, of exactly everything Adrian just said. So as much as I'm the biggest person to come out and be like, you know what, who gives a shit about semantics, educate your clients. Um, you know, if we look at the broader scope of, of what we call biopsychosocial, if we look at that M part being social, the social uh, constructs around the word core is everything Adrian said floods to everyone's mind. You know, the, the need to keep the core strong, the need to keep the core, you know, the core is everything, blah, 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 blah. You know, core is... Um, you only have to keep your core warm. Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> but when, you know, without, I don't want to get too philosophical about it all, but when we kind of break down, you know, what the core is, where does the core start, where does the core end, you know, if we're kind of putting the limitations that Adrian just put on it and, and calling it the trunk, just call it the trunk. Um, they are the trunk muscles. You know, any of my clients, I refer to it as like, oh, we're going to do, you know, this exercise, you know, for the trunk muscle or whatever it might be. If I ever refer to that region of the body, I refer to it as the trunk, you know, because we start looking at it. If, if we were to start just getting a machete and chopping muscles off you left, right and center, you know, and just left your core, your center of gravity would change. Your center of mass would change. Everything would change. Like if I chopped your leg off, but your core was still fine. You know, is everything going to function in the perfect equilibrium that it did when you still had that leg? Of course not. You'd be an idiot to think it would, you know, and, and that's kind of where we get into the philosophical problem of, of this term being the core. It's like we've we've grouped this certain, um, you know, category of muscles and gone, they're important. And realistically, the reason why we've gone, they're important is it comes back to Bergmark, who was an engineer and his work in showing the stability of systems and that's going to put into our next conversation, which is uh, Patty's second part of the question, what is stability? So stability um, is our ability to resist perturbation. Perturbation is an external force being applied to the body. Now, if I come up alongside you and push you and you stick your leg out so that you don't fall over, like many people would, you take a step, did your leg just become part of your core? And I feel like that's exactly how you deal with those two words. Um, yeah, a- anything else to add? No, I think you, you've summed it up pretty perfectly. Um, I could go on for another 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes, but I'm yeah, really like, stopping myself. Like we, said, well, like we said previously, we could <laughs> really do a whole, whole... Oh, yeah. yeah there now. <laughs> um, yeah, we could do a whole podcast on this. And you know what? We probably will one day because this is something that we can both rant on for quite a while. But that's a little taste tester. Um, all right. Uh, I think we'll go rest, pause, and the myonuclei overload. Yep, that's the next one. All right, so rest, pause. Someone basically said, why does rest, pause work? Uh, to sum it up, we don't know. Um, it just works. Um, basically, rest pause or what is commonly referred to as like metabolite training, which is training with the specific intended purpose to accrue uh, met- metabolic stress or metabolites, um, seems to work. Uh, it seems to work in a very kind of small window. Uh, and uh, my opinion, this is going to really tie into the next part, which is the myonuclei uh, overload training, um, which 
I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not 100% familiar with. I've done a little bit of reading on it. I've, I've had a little bit of kind of exposure to it. And from what I understand, it's basically aiming to maximize muscle damage to increase the um, the amount of, of myonuclei um, and to try and get those newbie gains, for want of a better term, even after, you're, after you've been training for quite a while. Yep. Now, both of these things um, can be quite fine modalities. I think the they actually kind of go hand in hand when you when you look at them. One thing that got mentioned to me right before we recorded this was myonuclear training can be advocated as training one muscle group really intensively for, for 30 days straight. Um, I haven't actually run into that one before. If that's the case, I'm, I'm non-familiar with that. That, to me, seems a little extreme. Um, but basically, these things are do seem quite good as a bit of a you know throw it in your training you know once in a, in a while but the reason you do it is because you can't sustain it anyone who's done rest pause training will tell you like yeah it was it was awesome like i loved it every workout was under 40 minutes under 30 minutes it was great you know had had a great time but oh my shit it was hard you know like rest pause training is really freaking hard and your recovery is um you know suboptimal to borrow with the borrow from the terms of you know Dr. Mark Israel at RP you know in a block of, of rest pause training you are acutely exceeding MRV every session because we are artificially augmenting the amount of reps you can do per set because we're giving you 20 seconds and then we're doing you know those extra reps or so some people are now terming myo reps um you know, that's exactly what we're doing. We are going above your MRV every single session. You can't keep that up for long. Um, so I think these tools are a great thing to have in the toolbox, but the reason they're not going to ever, uh, you know, throw out the the tried and tested paradigm of, you know, progressive overload, be it volume intensity um, or all the above, is because they're non-sustainable. Uh, and that would be my take on how to use those modalities Kind of why they seem to work and why they're not sustainable. Um, any any additional thoughts? No, not really. No, I guess you got to try for yourself properly to actually realise why you can't maintain this that level of training. Um, it's a bit like what we spoke about a few weeks ago—the one RM training every week. <laughs> it's just not it's not feasible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like we say with most things. Don't give it to people. If you're a practitioner or a coach, don't give it to people if you haven't done it yourself. Until you understand the ins and out of it and how the effects and what the effects happen. Unless you try it on yourself, then you're able to manipulate it, understand, and actually apply it to to uh, to your, your your clients or the people that you coach or train. So that that's probably one one thing I'd recommend with with that sort of training is give it a go yourself. Just so you know what what you're getting your your clients or or anyone you're training, what you're getting them in for. It's probably the best piece of advice I could give you. I think. Yeah, for we sure. We both have had that advice given to us. For sure, one of the best things you can just have in yeah. this industry. Really. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, all right, I think we've got two, questions. two light-hearted ones to finish they on. Are, what are they? Who's stronger? <laughs> and a weird fact. All right, who's stronger at the moment, Adrian, because I can't even walk my own body weight. At the moment, why squat 1RM is below my own body weight, is below one, because I can't even squat. Uh, so at the moment, Adrian, uh, I guess all time, 
I don't know. I think Adrian... I think I've definitely definitely done more in the Olympic lifts. Yeah. Um, squat, I think we're probably about equal all time. We're probably about equal at all time, but that was with me, without me training specifically for that, and that was you training specifically for yeah, that. Yeah, Adrian's so actually, a dick. If I actually trained... Adrian's uh, a, Adrian's an asshole. He's uh, just naturally strong. <laughs> it's bullshit. I hate it. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've just got a really good drive. I'll just, you know, I'll be doing, like, six weeks of, of specific training, and Adrian will be doing six weeks of test, texting and calling it training. And then he'll um, he'll come into the gym and just... I'll do a set of three, and he'll come in and do a set of two and be like, oh, is that it? And it's, yeah, pain in the ass. Uh, so all time, we're probably close. I believe I've deadlifted more, um, and I believe bench yeah, press, have. bench press, we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, I've deadlifted I think, more. I think my bench is a bit higher. What have you done? Oh, maybe? Yeah, we've done the same. Our bench is the same. Is it? Yeah, I think I've, I've done more than 110. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. I don't, no one gives a shit about the bench press. Oh, okay. Mate. What's your clean? What's my clean? Hmm. What's my clean? Because snatch your clean. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, weird fact. Adrian, what is it? Your weird fact? No, your... Uh, all right, mine, <laughs> mine if you want. Okay. Your weird fact. I don't know. What's your weird fact, What's mate? Weird One fact? weird fact people would not know about you. Oh... Uh, where do we start? Um, I've got really good dad jokes. They're not good. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we need a drum roll. <laughs> no, it. all right, what is it? What's a weird fact? That's one of my weird facts. That's uh, not a weird fact. I feel like anyone who listens to this podcast knows you have bad dad jokes. What's a weird fact? What's a weird fact? Yeah, he's just texting his mum to ask what a weird fact is. I used to play netball. <laughs> Is that a weird one? I don't know that's weird. Pretty proud of that. It's very hard. That was mixed netball too. One game in school doesn't count. No, we played a whole season. Probably my weirdest fact. Really? Fun fact. Yeah. Um, I can lick my nose. Yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of the many things I love about Adrian. Yeah, that's it. Um, Yeah. That's, that's it? That's all I can think of at the moment. Really? Yeah. What's your fu- your weird fact? My weird fact? I've got a haircut every week for 10 years, except for two weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is my weird fact. Rightio. Not many people would know that about me, but there it is. That's a weird one. There it is. Um, all right. On that note... <laughs> Now I feel now I feel exposed. Do you play any instruments? <laughs> nah. <laughs> no. Nah. Do you? Yeah, I used to play guitar a little bit. Do you? Yeah. A little bit. I tried to play piano when I was a kid. I engrave. That's a weird fact about me. Any of you who have me on the socials may know, but I do engraving. I do some funky pictures. Um about to go inside actually and engrave. One of my mate's names on some scotch glasses for his birthday. It's his 30th tomorrow, Big George. Um, so, yeah, I do some engraving. Does Jordan listen? Yeah. Well, he, he only found out we had a podcast yesterday, so I don't think he's going to listen to all eight episodes in one night. I hope he does. I eight hope episodes. so. Too. That's not bad. I think this is number eight. Number eight and number nine, I don't know. Okay, we're on a roll. Uh, we've done that many, we lost count. Exactly. Yeah, it's number eight. Number eight, because we did one before Belmore, and yeah, then right. it's week seven of Belmore. Nice. 
Nice. Well, guys, there's some um, interesting facts and some some chat about a few answers to a few of your questions. Hopefully, some questions to a few of your answers. Um, if you have any others, or if you like this Q and A format of the podcast, let us know, and we might make it a um, regular occurrence, like every you know second or third one. We'll do a more of a informal Q and A, bit of a get to know. Get to know your hosts. We should do a live Q and A one day. Yeah, we should actually we'll do like a Facebook fun. live or something. Yeah, and then you can see how ugly we are and, and why we are. We both have a face right. Well, me anyway. Adrian's right. Adrian's a young Robert De Niro. <laughs> That's another weird fact. <laughs> That's another weird fact. Adrian looks like Robert De Niro. Another weird fact: when Adrian, I used to call Adrian Robert De Niro and and give him shit for looking like a young Robert De Niro. Uh, everyone used to give me shit and tell me I look like uh, Macklemore. Um, do. I don't, you dickhead. <laughs> anyway, Adrian's <laughs> definitely the looks out of the two of us. Um, but yeah, if you like this, please let us know. Um, and, you know, if you've got any more questions, we'll go from there. Any suggestions for next week's topic? Um, and and we'll, we'll go from there. We're going to have some guests lined up in the next uh, coming weeks, maybe after we've done week 10. We'll start getting some guests on the podcast, which will be pretty cool. Hopefully, I can stay injury-free, and we'll go from there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, make sure you jump on to the socials, at rethink.mvmnt, at mitchgibbs.aes, at acalderola, underscore AEP. <laughs> I forgot him. Why? <laughs> <sighs> oh, what am I going to do about this boy? Terrible. What am I going to do that about this boy? Uh, we also do have a Facebook page at Rethink Movement, um, which we're not very active on because the Facebook algorithms aren't too good. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and be more active on the Rethink Movement page. So if you haven't already, shoot us a like. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places, all that good stuff. And, um, yeah. Sounds good. See you next Thanks week. Thanks again for another lovely week of podcasting. Thank you. Thanks for the lift. Thanks for listening. That's all right. That's all right. Now hop to your house. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Bye, guys. See ya.